0: Black Panther is still doing crazy numbers in the theater. Black Panther is still breaking records out here in these streets, man. The cool thing is, you know, I had the opportunity to work with Dr. Brandon Jones to create a really unique educational tool called the Black Panther Syllabus. Um, if you've heard of you know, the Lemonade Syllabus, the Sit at the Table Syllabus, or the 444 four four Syllabus, shout out to those creators who created an amazing tool. We wanted to contribute to the dialogue kind of similar, similarly, right? So we created the Black Panther Syllabus, and it was designed really for us to be able to um, add to the dialogue around representation of the Black identity and its intersections. Um, invisible forms of media and popular culture in the arts, right? And so we received over a hundred and fifty submissions for contributions for the syllabus, and really that's a shout out to all the folks that contribute to the syllabus. You know, the syllabus wouldn't have come together the way that it did if it wasn't for the amazing response that we received. You know, and that was folks that submitted research um, and resources. That they either read, watched, listened to, um, or folks that actually created some of the the, the resources um, to really be able to submit and add to the dialogue as well, and so. Um Dr. Jones and I curated that, put that together, and now we have a really dope educational tool. So what I'd love for you to do, if you have not had the opportunity to check it out yet, is go to my website, that's SeanJMoore.com slash BPS, like Black Panther Syllabus, that's SeanJMoore.com slash BPS, you can download the syllabus. Again, it's free, it's open for anyone to utilize. Um, and again, we hope that this tool is beneficial for you um, as we continue to see um, different levels of representation in the media for us and our community. Um, yeah. Thanks again. And please, uh, if you have any questions or um, just want to share your thoughts around it, feel free to email me at info at com. Welcome to the Mindforable podcast, the podcast about leadership for the culture. In this episode, we'll talk to Shalise Nelson. Shalise is a nationally certified counselor with over 10 years of experience within the mental health field. It was while she attended FAMU that her interest in the field of psychology was fueled by the work completed with her professors and with programs such as St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. She later obtained a master's degree in mental health counseling from St. John Fisher College. Since then, she has worked with various populations including substance use, the developmentally delayed, adults, children, and adolescents. Shalice launched theconsciousqueen.com in October of 2017, inspiring others through unique posts, webinars, self-help personal items, clothing, and accessories that allow folks, according to her tagline, to be conscious, be true, and be creatively you. Within Atlanta, Georgia, the Conscious Queen offers monthly support groups and workshops to enhance the healing and coping skills of the black and brown community. All right, on this episode of the Mind for Rebel podcast, we have Shalise Nelson. She's joining us um, to talk a little bit about her background and the work that she does. um, And I'm excited to talk to her. So let's hop right into it. Welcome, Shalise.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Hello.
0: So I think the best place, you know, where all the interviews start to get us a good foundation is um, to start with, you know, giving us a foundation of your journey, you know, and how did you get started in counseling and mental health work?
1: Okay, well, um, it's quite an interesting story. (laughs) Yes, my mother worked in social services fields, and I was kind of just like, I want to make money. Um, So (laughs) I went to school uh, to become a pharmacist, and while I was in my freshman year, I was offered an internship for a local social services agency in my hometown of Rochester, New York in which they wanted me to just kind of um, monitor the medication uh, dispensing that was done in the group homes. And it made me realize that I, I want to have more of an impact than just passing out medication. Um, I want to actually get a better understanding of what's going on with these people and what are some ways that we can help them. So from there on, I tried to do nursing, and I realized the the whole drawing blood and stuff that didn't really work for me. (laughs) Um, But the idea of actually being able to sit and have a conversation with someone, and that would be powerful enough for someone to say, I want to make some change in my life, that motivated me to go into the psychology field.
0: So with that, what has your, as a, as a uh, mental health professional, what has your practice evolved into now?
1: Um, so I've initially started working with children, mm-hmm. uh, and then once I graduated, I started working within the substance abuse population, um, which kind of enhanced my interest in working with adults just based upon their ability to process things and kind of understand that, um, their life isn't over, that they can make changes. Mm. So I currently still work within the community, providing services to children and adults. Um, but within that I've learned the, um, term the working well which another therapist told me about in which that while there are many of us who are able to navigate life on a day-to-day basis um, and have minimal problems that doesn't mean that we don't need to address our mental health especially within the black community so I started the conscious queen kind of just as a platform for people to kind resonate with the idea that My life is not perfect. And I may have some mental health challenges. It may not mean that I have a diagnosis and that I'm casted out. But more so of there are things that I can relate to and I can find ways to evolve through self care.
0: So with that, so two things I want to touch back in on I want to I want to circle back around for that concept of like the working well but i want to talk you mentioned uh, the conscious queen so i want you to talk a little bit more about what that is and what that means to you um and then i have another question around that so a few things popped up when you just stuck so yeah start with the conscious queen
1: (laughs) okay so the conscious queen came about actually when i was working within the substance abuse population i recognized that oftentimes A lot of our mental health challenges are surrounding the fact that we are not knowledgeable of who we are. We're not conscious of who we are. Um, So I know within the Black community, we think of conscious as, you know, pro-African, strong interest in our culture and our history, which is true. That also starts with learning with who you are within. So taking that time in addition to learning your background, learning the trauma that's within your family, learning how you respond to certain situations in order for you to grow. And to piggyback off of that, the queen part came upon me just in recognizing that we are all lineage of kings and queens. So when we are more conscious of who we are, we recognize the intricacies and the things that make us different and unique and being the kings and queens that we are.
0: Wow, oh, I like that concept a lot. Thank you. So one thing I noticed, you know, just in, in looking at the, you know, around your work with the Conscious Queen, I know you have the tagline, like, be conscious, be true, be creatively you. Mm -hmm. Um, what does that mean in the context of what you provide for the conscious queen and what made you come up or utilize um, that tagline to run through the work that you do?
1: I think more recently within our culture, there has been a push where we tell people you have to be white or black. Um, There's no gray in the middle. And I really want people to just learn how to, celebrate their uniqueness in that in being who you are you provide something to the world that no one else can so be who you are and utilize your creativity whether that's in the way that you talk whether that's in your thought process about um certain things and how you're able to react with them share that with the world and be honest with who you are inside In order to improve your mental health but also celebrate and enhance your relationships with others to make the world a better place then all I think majority of us can agree that within the work we do we all want the world to be better
0: Hmm. so that helps me kind of circle back around can you talk to me a little bit more about this concept of like the working well and what and, and kind of I don't know, provide a little more context about what that means and maybe how you address that in the work you do?
1: Yes. So I can give you the example of the average everyday person. Oftentimes when we think about mental health, we're thinking about people who are having significant challenges, not the people who are able to maintain a job. The people who are able to maintain positive relationships In their lives, it doesn't mean that you don't come along and deal with stress, anxiety, sadness, or anything within your life. Um, And because of that, sometimes there's a stigma that we create that, well, I work, you know, I'm married, I'm able to raise my kids, or um, I have a really great support system. I don't think I need to address my mental health. So sometimes... Just kind of relating to that community and that we all have to address our mental health, I try to tell people, just like we say we have to go get a physical every year to make sure our physical bodies are okay, we need to try to do the same with our mind, stimulate our brain and see a therapist or participate in some type of support group yearly, I would say monthly, but if you can start off yearly, that will be a great. Start to really start to focus on how you can live your best life.
0: So one thing I want to ask. So I, you know, I'm I'm realizing that in the podcast, maybe there's some some, another series within the podcast. You know, talking about you know this whole mix with leadership, and I think mental health comes along with that kind of discussion, particularly with the podcast being for like our community, right? You know, um, I had a uh, a previous mental health. you know, professional on the show, and in a lot of the work that she does, again, is around with our community in particular, mm-hmm. so, and I, one of the questions that I asked her, which I think is, is, I would definitely like to hear your perspective on this, you know, with our community, you know, the talk about mental health is such a taboo thing, where it's like, you know, as a Black person, um, you know, we don't talk about that, you know, for whatever reason, whether that's family stigma, whether that's you know, maybe there's a financial reason why we don't talk about mental health. For you um, in the work that you do, how do you try to um, maybe approach that sort of stigma? Uh, because a lot of the work that you do kind of focuses in on our community. How do you, how do you approach that stigma?
1: I will say for some therapists, my approach may be a little controversial. <laughs> um, but I address it more so in the matter of taking care of yourself. Your mental health is a part of your self-care, and I find that people are a bit more willing to address how they take care of themselves versus openly saying mental health. Hmm. Um, I remember going to an event and explaining what the conscious queen was and when I said mental health people were like oh no I don't have that problem it's like we all have mental health what do you mean you don't have that problem you have a brain there are emotions that run within you every day that's something that we all have when I bring it into the sense of you know what do you do for self-care it's like oh I do this for self-care and then when I dig a little bit deeper and say well You know, do you recognize that a part of self-care is setting boundaries with others? A part of self-care is holding yourself accountable? They're a bit more willing to address it. This is definitely a taboo subject within our community that I hope the Conscious Queen will be able to help reduce in some form.
0: Hmm. I like that. It's almost like there's like a rebranding of mental health as self-care to make it a bit more digestible for people and not as scary so um i want to talk to you about your blog post and the article um that you wrote i got a chance to read um and it's called what about your friends the energy draining ones why did you write that article and can you talk to me a little bit about you know what the article is about for those for my um listeners that will hopefully go to your website and check it out too
1: Yes, so I have a self care calendar in which I try to correlate whatever we're focused on the month into my blog posts. And for the month of March, we focused on our energy and where do we devote our energy to. So that post came out of recognizing within the work that I do in the community that. Oftentimes, a lot of the relationships that people have serve as a source of stress and anxiety for people. Um, So how do we find ways to navigate that in efforts to recognize whether or not this relationship is of any benefit to us, but also to recognize to what extent do I give myself? without really tarnishing my own well-being, and taking care of myself. Um, So it was really just to kind of point out that sometimes we knowingly or unknowingly engage in one-sided relationships Mm. where we might have that friend who calls us all the time in crisis and in need, and that's the only time that you hear from them. And when that happens, how do you set the boundary of saying, you know what? I have to tend to myself or this is, this relationship is not benefiting me. So how do I decide what's best for me?
0: What mm-hmm. type of advice would you give for someone who wants to assess relationships in their, life, in their life, whether that's personal or professional? And kind of why is that so important for them?
1: Um, asking yourself what does this relationship bring to me? What does it provide to me? I think is most important. And that's to that's not to say that the relationships that we keep, that we're not going to have hills and valleys that we have to overcome. Um, but asking yourself, is it is there some type of balance? And sometimes there isn't balance, and it could be a relationship where you're like, I don't know if this relationship can be ended. Um, but in those senses, what can you do to maintain your well-being while also having a relationship with that person? Especially within my work, I realize when we start to discuss parents, people are like, oh, no, I can't let my parents go, which is reasonable and It's not the expectation that you have to, um, but at what point do you begin to recognize that this relationship is causing me stress, and how do I balance it? How do I maintain this relationship that's really important to me, but also draw a line to where I say, okay, I need... To take a break from whatever this person is sending to me in regard to energy they're sending you a lot of negative energy how can you navigate through that
0: well you know and I think that's one you know, question that I would ask is that does that assessment of relationships or assessment of energy exchange does that look different um when you think of um maybe in terms of like a professional role or like folks who are engaged with people professionally, does that assessment look a little differently or or would you would you say that there's that you need to look at it from the same type of lens? Hmm?
1: I think one, it varies depending upon the person. Um, because I think whether professional or personal, people have different levels of attachment that they have to determine whether or not certain relationships are good for them. Um, but when it comes to professional relationships, I think there has to be an equal balance of give and take. So even asking yourself, um, this is, this relationship may not benefit me anymore because I'm not getting um, the discount on a certain item that I use for my business um but what can I provide to maintain this relationship because there's there's nothing negative about it um and it may serve as a source of promotion or something like that and you never know who you may need to reengage in business with so I think in that sense, it, you have to ask, is there an equal balance of give and take? And also, in addition, I think when we speak about working with other professionals, mental health is such a critical role. Owning a business or trying to operate your idea of a dream and make it reality can be stressful. So sometimes you have to ask, okay, this person that I want to collaborate with has a really good idea, but when it comes to their ability to respond to emails, complete the tasks that are necessary, they're not in that space right now to do that. Um, so you have to ask yourself, um, how does this affect my brand and what I'm trying to do?
0: Hmm. That's definitely very good insight on that. Uh, one of the questions that I want to backtrack, I normally ask my guests this and I the conversation, the way you answered the question has naturally flowed into some of the other questions, but I wanted to backtrack. So, based on you know the type of work that you do and looking at mental health and you know your thoughts around support and energy, um, how do you define leadership, and particularly in the context of the work that you do?
1: Hmm. You're coming to me with some hard hitters now. <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: been getting that way. Um... <laughs>
1: Leadership, I think, in the within the work that I do, is living the life that works best for you, which means that you may not look like a leader to the typical person that thinks that a leader is someone that other people follow. It may be just leading your own life and acknowledging all the things that you are able to do on a daily basis to help you get by making decisions on your own to me that's what defines leadership versus what society has taught us is someone leading the way for other people sometimes leadership starts with just leading your own life um, taking your power back and not allowing the thoughts or opinions of others to dictate how you decide to
0: live. Uh, Wow. That's, yeah, I I like that a lot. So just to kind of circle back, I know I keep circling back around. (laughs) Um, That's
1: all right. That's all right.
0: (laughs) Your article, you know, I really liked the article a lot that, you know, the What About Your Friends article. And, you know, again, around that whole idea of support and what that looks like. Um, And support can look a lot of different ways, you know, even with where we are in digital age, where social media plays a lot of, um
1: mm-hmm. a
0: big role in that so um for you in terms of the work that you do in terms of thinking about mental health um, uh, how does social media play a role in that level of support and empowerment um and even looking at the flip side of that you know in terms of like you know bullying or different things like that what what role do you see social media playing in and in, in what this looks like you know for us now because I think it's something that we have to think about um contextually just because you know you know, we think about what's going on in the news in terms of Facebook and uh, information sharing. Like, social media is really an integrated part of our life. Um, So what Mm -hmm. does support look like in terms of, you know, social media engagement and things of that nature?
1: I think the key component is respect. Um, I don't think oftentimes when we think about support that that's one of the first things that comes to mind. Mm. In that... um, Someone can support you and disagree with what you say, but it's in the matter of which they demonstrate respect to you that you can determine whether that's support or not. We're not all meant to have the same ideas about things or look at things through the same lens. Um, So if someone's able to provide you with care and confront you on whatever it might be that you are sharing, on social media. Um, I think that's key as well. I do think that social media plays a role in the sense of um limiting support because we're viewing people's lives through a screen versus what's reality. Um and for some people there's a sense of anger or jealousy about what someone sees on social media um, that might limit support. An example might be, you see a friend from high school get engaged, but as you're challenged with your own intimacy and relationships, it's hard for you to support that individual because you're in the space of, well, why am I not engaged? Why am I not getting married? Um, So I think it, it can play a variety of roles. I think it's really dependent upon where each person is in regards to their mental health and being able to support, but also recognizing like there are accounts out there that may not be the best for your mental health if you see something that's draining your energy or if you see something that doesn't elicit happiness again asking yourself how does this benefit me and maybe that's something that you don't need to view
0: hmm. that's really good because I, 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 what i what i love about social media is that i think sometimes we underestimate how much control we have over that like you know for you to you think about Instagram, like if you see things that you don't like, unfollow it or block it or you know, remove them right. are able to kind of curate what it is that comes across your timeline. Um and it's interesting that, you know, it's I would love for people to have more ownership over that. You know, it's like, oh, I go on social media and every time I look at something, it makes me feel some kind of way. It's like you have control over that.
1: <laughs> right. You do. And if you if it's bothering you to a point where you feel like it needs to be addressed in an effort to show support to someone, then absolutely go ahead. But if it's just something that you don't agree with and a conversation about it is not going to make it any better, you have the power and control to decide how you're going to let it affect your life. Mm-hmm.
0: So one thing i like to ask folks who are engaged in some sort of, you know, whether it's an educator, whether it's someone, um, you know, a mental health professional, like folks who are engaged in an exchange with other people, um, what's a piece of advice that's kind of resonated with you that may have come up in your interaction with someone else that may be like a client or someone else that you've interacted with, maybe through the Conscious Queen? Um, What's been something like a piece of advice that that has just resonated with you that you're like, hmm. That's something I'm gonna walk away with and try to take with me.
1: Hmm, let me think. There's been so many jewels dropped on me on this journey that I am extremely appreciative of. I will say, um, I did an article about black businesses and mental health and how that plays a role. A friend telling me that as a startup um, in the fact that my resources are limited in comparison to what majority would have when they would start a business. Understanding that I have to work just as hard, which means that I have to plan accordingly, which means that I have to allot myself the time to process everything that comes along with that. Um, So I held a workshop in January, a self-care workshop, and it was just me versus where another company will probably have about three or four people on staff to execute it. But just kind of preparing myself to be in that mental state that, I'm not going to be able to control every single thing that goes on at this workshop, but I can control my reaction. And that will demonstrate to the participants what self-care looks like.
0: Hmm. That's yeah. That's really powerful. I'm just, I'm like, hmm. wow. So with that, you know, as we're, we're, we're rounding out um, the interview a bit, Um, one thing, you know, and in one of the questions that I enjoy is asking my, my guests, you know, about books or resources that have been really influential to you. Um, and I know, um, in your questionnaire, you mentioned, um, as a woman think of, and as a man think of, have been books that, um, may have had some, some influence in, in your own personal development and growth. Um, how did Mm -hmm. they, those books resonate with you in particular? And what was, uh, maybe something you took away from, from those readings?
1: Well, I've only read As a Woman Thinketh because I'm a woman, but it's adapted from As a Man Mm Thinketh. But the key thing that I take every time I read it, and I read it over and over again, is that I have the power to dictate what I want for my life. Mm. And that begins with my thoughts. So if I'm in a negative headspace I have the ability to recognize that it may limit me from living the life that I want to live and that I can change it I think that's been the most critical part of that book that I will carry with me forever
0: so as we wrap up the last question that I asked um, all my guests um, is at the end of the day, um, what do you want to be known for?
1: Hmm. I want to be known for helping people learn who they truly are.
0: Hmm. Well, listen, Shalise, thank you for being on the show. Um, before we wrap up the, the the really important thing is can you tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you social media website all that good stuff how what's the best way for them to get in contact with you and the um, dope work that you do
1: thank you um, of course my website www.theconsciousqueen.com um, instagram the conscious queen facebook the conscious queen and twitter at conscious underscore crown
0: perfect well listen again thank you so much for taking the time out your evening to be on the show um, the information you share was really insightful and I'm sure it's going to resonate with the folks that listen to the podcast so yes thank you for dropping some gems on this show
1: no thank you for all the amazing work you do it has been an honor
0: thank you this episode of the Mindful Rebel podcast is sponsored by Gamefly Gamefly is the number one video game rental service. We've all purchased a game that just sucked, right? And you feel like you wasted your money. And if you go try to sell the game back to you know who, you're only gonna get about five or $6 on a game that you paid $70 to $80 for. Why not alleviate all that and rent the game first? This is what Gamefly gives you the opportunity to do. Rent and buy games for your PS4, your Nintendo Switch, your Xbox One, or whatever system you have. Rent it before you purchase it. So for my podcast listeners, I have an exclusive offer on my website. Sign up for Gamefly and get a free 30-day trial when you go to seanjmore.com podsponsors. That's seanjmore.com podsponsors for an opportunity to sign up for a free 30-day trial. While you're on that page, check out the other podcast sponsors, which include Grammarly, Loot Crate, and BarkBox. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the mind for Rebel podcast. Take some time to subscribe to the mind for Rebel podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Anchor FM. To catch up on past episodes, go to SeanJMoore.com. That is SeanJMoore.com and click on the podcast tab. Your feedback is important, so please comment your thoughts, suggestions, and views on any of the platforms, including my social media pages, including Instagram and Twitter at SeanJ underscore more. Thank you again for your continued support as we continue to dialogue about leadership for the culture.